0: For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive.
2: Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Adam Schlett, and he is founder of SafeReach. We're going to talk a little bit about advertising. We're going to talk about the cannabis industry. We're going to talk about the uniqueness and the situation we're in and where things are going and what you can learn about how to effectively advertise and use media in the cannabis space. With that, Adam, welcome to the program.
3: Bruce, thanks for having me, man. Really excited to be here.
2: So why don't we talk a little bit about background first us before we jump into cannabis? I know you've had kind of a, a long entrepreneurial career and uh, in advertising and media. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that and then how we got into cannabis and then we'll talk about what were you doing in the cannabis space? So
3: the real answer is I got into cannabis well before I got into business, <laughs> but I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about that. Yeah. Uh, no. Works
2: out. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
3: Uh, no, I was I had shoulder surgery when I was 18, yeah. uh, and I was given oxycodone, and I didn't like it because yeah. I just kind of didn't enjoy the way it made me feel. A friend introduced me to uh, cannabis, and uh, my love personal love affair has uh, started and remained quite strong since that day. Mm-hmm. As far as you know, business, I studied accounting and financing finance at uh, <laughs> Muhlenberg, which is a small liberal arts school in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Kind of bopped around crappy entry-level jobs for a while, trying to figure out what it is I wanted to do, knowing that uh, entering the corporate workforce – I love business, but kind of some of the uh, bureaucracy yeah. of, of larger entities uh, doesn't necessarily appeal to me. Yep. I was very fortunate and landed at a company that was around four people, and I was the one of the first, or depending on who you ask, uh, the first non-partnered employee mm-hmm. – and I was still pretty green, and I, I had the opportunity to learn from someone I would consider my mentor today on, on how to really grow a business from from a, a sales and accounts perspective, and helped grow a, a data company from around five employees to 150 employees. Um, nice. That was, yeah, it was uh, just an awesome experience working close to home with you know somebody I really respect and. I know a lot of my peers don't have that same affinity or appreciation for their experience. So I definitely realized I was lucky in that regard. While maintaining my said love affair for cannabis during this time, while still growing my personal success and experience in the business world, obviously, as this market's matured on the both medical and adult use front, I've been looking for a way to get myself involved. I am not a grower. I am not in the retail business, and I don't have the kind of money that you need to really compete in those fields in any of these markets. So it's, hey, how do I apply my my skills and my resources and my relationships into this space? We were, that previous life I came from was working in the data field. So Uh we were essentially sourcing first and third party data from a a myriad of different sources. So I'm going to use the term offline data, which is, you know, your first last name tied to a postal address tied to some demographic and psychographic behaviors, kind of similar to traditional direct mail lists. And the industry today is pairing that um, in a privacy compliant fashion to online data. So mobile behaviors and browsing behaviors, so that you can associate online behaviors to a real person offline through a combination of database processes, and then you can actually activate a media campaign against that that person or those group of people that you're targeting that have been qualified for your campaign as they go from Spotify to connected TV to display to their mobile phone. Mm-hmm. So that was the space I came from. We were working with a lot of agencies as kind of a vendor for data and for media against that data, and I say media, online, online, Ads. Yep. We kept getting a ton of requests for cannabis campaigns in the markets where we had relationships that were adult use and and medical was legal. Yep. No one could really find a place to park those dollars. So that was the first time I was like, "There's got to be a solution." <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. somebody's got to do this right. And you know, three years ago, I started kind of broaching the subject with with my boss at the time and you know, it's like, hey, this is not the time. It's not our business. But, you know, this I think your idea is on point. It's just not there yet. And, I, and to his credit, I think he was right. And mm, yeah. uh, around a year ago, it became a little more frequent that a lot of my partners were seeing opportunities for brands in the cannabis space uh, that were looking for more effective ways to operate like a regular business and yeah. to drive new customer acquisition. And, you know, I had a few conversations with larger shops in the ad exchange world and the data world and obviously in the social world and, and on Google and and no one was really even considering it. So it was like...
2: And why? And, I guess, why was that? I mean, why why was the, the sort of the general data advertising industry not interested or not willing to, to get involved in the cannabis space? I've gotten
3: a few different answers. My honest opinion is that there's in clear inconsistencies with federal and state law. And yeah. I know everyone's kind of That's not a new story for anybody. Uh, I think uh, any company that's publicly traded or has national or international interests uh, is going to be incredibly risk averse to this area until there is something more solidly laid out as to the federal government stance on cannabis. And then, especially when when Jeff Sessions came in and pulled back the Obama era like notion that, hey, the states are going to be do what the states want to do. It kind of created even more reason for legal staff at these publicly traded entities or just larger national organizations to say – thanks but no thanks
2: yeah so they that, were they were right. worried it was going to taint sort of taint their other business or their existing business and so while there was definitely well they might see opportunity and they might see you know potential market that it wasn't worth the risk from their point of view in in terms of this the federal uncertainty or the federal legal uncertainty wasn't worth it for them at the time
3: that's that's that would be my assessment based on my conversations yeah. so I'm sure someone's going to give you a much more detailed answer that's behind the scenes of those organizations but from my conversations
2: yeah, yes yeah. so you have these brands these cannabis brands who are out there uh, looking for you know sort of advertising media marketing solutions to be able to generate new customers how I mean I guess how did you sort of see the opportunity uh, manifesting itself like where where were the real kind of opportunities in terms of helping these these companies with these solutions
3: so the first place I looked was why not? Like away from risk aversion, which Mm -hmm. it, you know, it's each their own. It was what's actually written down that's prohibiting folks from doing this. And I brought it, I watered it down to three real pieces, two of which are based around legalities and the way we interpret the law. And then one around just somebody actually going out and executing against it. So it's audience compliance. It's creative compliance. And I'm talking strictly in a digital capacity. I can't yeah. speak for direct mail. Yep. I'm not uber aware of every, I'm familiar with radio and television, but that's definitely not my space. So I yeah. am not going to speak. So this on is just authority. online.
2: This is basically online advertising, digital advertising.
3: Yeah. 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 that's, that's, that's really where I, where I want to focus. Yep. That's, that's where, where we know the most. Yep. So Obviously, you have to quantify, you have to look at each adult use and medical market separately. Okay. And then each state in general has its own laws around, again, audience compliance and then creative compliance. And what so some of the, aud- can,
2: you, yeah, can you give us an example of what, what some of the states are doing or just how they define or, or what comes up when we talk about audience compliance?
3: So pretty much it's ensuring uh, that you're reaching known adults. So
2: okay.
3: 21 plus and depending on which state you land on, you have to be able to validate that anywhere from 30 to 80% of your audience that you know you're targeting is 21+. plus. So how do we solve for that? Yeah, we Come from the data world. Yeah. I, have, I have an 120 million user adult 21 plus user database where I have geographic information tied to an age validation tied to online data. So boom, I'm solved for there.
2: Interesting. Uh, okay.
3: The other piece is creative compliance. And that is knowing what we can and can't include. And there are some broad strokes that are applicable in the cannabis and then hemp industries, uh, respectively, that you can kind of universally apply. And then there are some some more granular rules depending on the state. California, you have to have the state license number visible in the creative. Washington State has to have fine print in the creative. Uh, Alaska has to have some fine print. Yeah, I mean, it's It's publicly available information. I just, it's just a lot of it. Yeah. You got to go through, you got to know where to look. Um, So, by pairing that data piece where we're solving for the state level regulation on being able to validate saying, hey, governing body concerned citizen, I know exactly who we're targeting, and then also ensuring that the creative is aligned with the state law. We are very comfortable as our lawyers that mm-hmm. we're operating within the state the state guidelines for, you know, marketing cannabis products.
2: Okay. So that you mentioned there were three. Those are the two kind of legal ish aspects to them. You had a third on there in terms of the going out and doing things. What was that one?
3: Available inventory or or supply of ad space on the internet. So it's like, okay, uh, there are a few solutions out there that are that are driving success for clients uh, yeah. that are focused more on the endemic vertical or on age gated websites that are based around you know cannabis content either cannabis business cannabis social cannabis consumer. As previously mentioned, I've been a passionate advocate of cannabis use my entire adult life. That's exactly true. Yep. But I, I'm very seldom am I going to culture based websites for the cannabis industry. And yeah. I think the larger market and where a lot of these brands that we're talking to that have the real are looking to aggressively grow are not necessarily looking for the very cultured yeah. cannabis consumer. They're looking for the person who is interested in cannabis yeah. or want to try CBD and And they want to put their brands in mainstream places where they exist along other other mainstream brands.
2: Yeah. Uh, And so so, what? And I mean, so the I think the general marketer, you know, most people would think, okay, let's just post on create Facebook ads or you know, advertise on Google, things like that. Like, what is the state of affairs when it comes to these big media platforms where most people would go for this kind of broad reach advertising? So you
3: can exist in Facebook, but you cannot put money in and pay to reach their audience. So unless and then even when and when I say Facebook, I'm going to I'm going to use that. So I'm going to put a social banner to that because it's talking about Facebook and Instagram. Mm -hmm. You can drive content on there. You can actually build a pretty significant organic audience. And then there's a strategy to that to building and retaining your own audience. But you can't pay to reach their new people or say, hey, I know that that 25 year olds in Colorado respond well to my brand. You can't try to go out and acquire more of them. And then because of the fact that you're operating with within the cannabis space and that content is considered in that the gray area, mm-hmm. they can actually shut down your account, and they have been known to do that, you know, pretty liberally without any explanation. So it's not a sustainable marketing model. And then, additionally, Google won't let you advertise. In, you know, with AdWords for whether it be dispensary or cannabis product. So, you know, the two basic platforms that are common knowledge for any local, regional or national business to yep. say you need to have a presence here. You're not, you're not allowed to participate in.
2: Yeah. All right. So that kind of takes those big, those big obvious plays off the table. So, so if you want to kind of get beyond the cannabis focused website content advertising option, but you can't be on Google and Facebook, at least on a paid, you know, uh, a paid growth model. What are the options? Where do you where do you create opportunities?
3: So there are a few outdoor opportunities, and that's not my business. So no. that was con- and so. If you, I uh, landed an SFO a few months ago, and you uh-huh. pull out, and there's a giant Weed Maps billboard right when you get <laughs> on the highway. Yeah. So it's like it, I've seen a, that. As, yeah. So it's like it's cool. Like, but that's they want to brands want to get more granular. They want to they want to know when they're talking to Adam. They want to know when they're talking yeah. to Doreen, my 62 year old mother. Who is cannabis curious and you know uses C B D and isn't a high-end affluent shopper, right? Yep. So there were one other it was one other place to go to do that. So it's like, hey, why not us? So over the last year or so, my business partner and I went out and started reaching out to publishers, large national pubs with either local public many local publications or mm-hmm. music entertainment news pubs to say, Hey, are you guys interested in monetizing this space? And not surprisingly. An overwhelming number of them are like, absolutely. Like we've been looking for a way to participate here. Some of them are still erring on the side of legal caution. Mm-hmm. So we haven't been able to win over everyone we've we talked to. Yep. But a, a surprising number of very big brands do want to monetize the space and are moving toward a space where they're like, hey, if you can validate that you're only reaching known adults on our page, um, then we're open to business. Uh, so yeah. we've gone out and acquired quite a few of those relationships. And, you know, we work with, uh, we have our own ad tech. We're essentially an ad exchange where, you know, we're a supply side platform that aggregates and connects a swath of available web-based ad inventory. And then we connect that pipe into what's called a DSP or a demand side platform where that all of that inventory is available for purchase the caveat is we have to push our data from our database into those platforms. So we can say, Hey, uh, media campaign, I want to only reach these people who I know are adult on these said web pages. Got
2: it. So when you have, when you've, Use your database to validate that these are legal kind of desired targets or that they're of age targets, and then when they show up on your your network's website or platform or page, you can validate that, which then allows you to show the media and can sort of complete the transaction. So it's really it's you have these three pieces you've got the 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 publisher side, you know the people that have the content for the ad space, the database of known users, and then the content side or the the ad side the people that want to display, and you, you bring those together to actually complete the transaction. That's my understanding of it.
3: Yes, that's, yes that is correct. Yeah.
2: that was We
3: essentially had to create our own mini universe yeah. of advertising ecosystem, just kind of siphoning off into our own world of our own pipes so that we didn't have to participate in anybody or any third-party platform that wasn't necessarily aligned with us on how we view this world. So... It was a big push at first, and you know we're in a really exciting time now because we're fully live. We're very scaled. We have a uh, few hundred million unique impression opportunities a month on some really premium publishers. And right. you know we're rolling out with some very large sales organizations, agencies, and some cannabis brands directly that are, are getting hit to the fact that your consumers are not all the same. Different messages resonate with all of them. Mm-hmm. The ability to create segments of known compliant adults in your different markets you operate in and then deliver the right message and track that engagement uh, is you know, something every business should be doing.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's really... Uh, and I've seen this happen a couple of times in the cannabis world, which is because of the federal you know, legal conundrum that we're in, kind of creating the situation where these... The, the big players, the or the the big players in various industries, because they either you know can't or don't want to get involved, create this creates a bit of a vacuum where these new new entrants can come in and actually create really kind of important parts to the framework, to the system, to the industry that that are just unserved because of this the federal legal thing. So it's I mean it, normally you know all the big ad networks would kind of come in and and do all this stuff, but they don't want to touch it because of legal issues. So it creates opportunities for companies like yours to really set up shop and and fairly quickly create pretty significant businesses. I mean, it's a, it's a really interesting dynamic in the cannabis space.
3: I don't think we're going to see a more inefficient and opportunistic market in my lifetime yeah. again. Yeah. And I love cannabis. I know quite a bit about advertising. It was like somebody was smiling down saying, hey, buddy, it's your time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Well, and I, actually, you know, and I think this this is not uh, kind of an uncommon story that I've seen in the cannabis space now where I think a lot of people Think about you know getting involved in cannabis or starting a cannabis business. That you know they think about. Oh, I'm going to start growing some plants, or I'm going to you know process, or I'm going to open a dispensary. And and I think the fact is is that the vast majority of new business opportunities in the cannabis space now are these ancillary products and services around it. Where you take what you're an expert at, what you're you know what you know really really well from non from the non cannabis space, and figure out how to apply it in cannabis. And that's how a lot of these great business have started. You know whether it's advertising, whether it's you know, marketing, you know, whether it's operations, whether it's, you know, creative services, consulting, coaching, you know, all these things that that the, the industry now needs because it is a growing, thriving industry that new businesses need to be created. And a lot of it because you can't either you companies, the traditional companies can't or don't want to get involved in the cannabis business. There's a lot of new opportunities for this. So I think this is a, a perfect kind of case study or a perfect story for for what is happening in the cannabis space. Let me talk a little bit or let me ask a little bit about the you know what has been most challenging for you and kind of growing the business. I mean, because you kind of have these. It's like a when I mean, you're essentially a, a double sided market, right? You've got the publisher side, you've got the advertiser side. What has been more challenging, or what have the challenges flip back and forth for you as you've grown the business and get getting to this point?
3: We had to learn the supply side of the business.
2: You know, pretty
3: much. To start the business, we realized that it was going to start and end with supply. Okay. Uh, so personally, on that side, like the data piece is demand. You know what advertisers, agencies, what buyers need, what they need to see from a, you know a transactional and from an analytics perspective. My business partner and I are well-versed in that space so personally i had to really learn the publisher side of things and learning that space and then it was you know publishers are they want more money that's yeah. like hey <laughs> yeah. like that i i need, can you bring me more money yeah so and because there was such a lack of i think centralized information on the cannabis space i think in any industry not just cannabis there's a lot of people who say they can do quite a bit yep. but can't Yeah. Uh, so we've had to kind of Really validate our knowledge and our effectiveness based on some previously poor experiences that the current enterprise buyers have had managed in the past
2: before mm. our existence. Do you think so? Uh, I mean, pe- publishers have had bad bad experiences and have left bad taste in their mouth around you know being able to do this, and so therefore they've, they're hesitant to actually engage in these new opportunities. So uh, more so
3: from so the pu- I need, I'm going to publishers and saying, yeah. "Hey, we're bringing demand to you guys." Yeah. Everyone's pretty cognizant of the fact that this is a growing market, and it's it's not the automotive marketing market, so we're not we're not going to be that big of a line item yeah. today, uh, you know, on their P and L. But uh, it's growing, and the larger publishers, in order to exist in their technical infrastructure, you have to command a certain amount of revenue to them a month. So. Go well ahead. we're we're going out and we're a small team or a bootstrap finance company um, mm-hmm. you know we want to maintain our independence and work with great companies but we don't want to work for somebody when you know this is our idea and yep. we're we're the ones who are are pushing it and kind of creating this market mm-hmm. so it's just a matter of educating and selling effectively and and bringing those buyers to the table saying look at all this really cool shit we can do but then mm-hmm. watering that down to a level where Somebody who's been growing and selling cannabis can actually understand what, you know, deterministically linked audience data is and what onboarding is and what, you know, cross device attribution is uh, (laughs) and bringing all those things into the market while also, you know, quickly scaling demand so that we can, you know, validate our existence in the publisher ecosystem as a technology partner. So that, that would be for that's. Not some it's something we're solving for very effectively, but you know those are the things that uh, get me a little worked up from time to time.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it's interesting. I mean, because I I see the the conundrum. Like they, you know, they see it as a great opportunity, but it's also it's got to fit within their kind of their business model and their infrastructure, and it's got to be big enough and sort of manageable enough that they they see it as interesting in terms of uh, in terms of the advertiser side. So you know, for the company that's out there, you know, cannabis brand CBD brand who is looking for you know digital advertising solutions to grow their audience grow their customer base acquire new customers like what what's kind of working right now what's not working I mean give give some sense of the type of companies that are kind of playing around with this what are the results they're getting what companies are, are seeing you know really kind of good results or successful results from you know from this and, and what are they actually getting are they getting new customers are they brand building are they uh, reselling existing customers what seems to be working right now in this space for folks
3: well I would encourage every brand or company Company to have a retention marketing business. Mm-hmm. If you're not doing collecting emails and doing regular loyalty emails and yeah, everyone does SMS on the retail side, that's that's not our business. We're all about new customer acquisition. Okay. Uh, so we would bucket, I would bucket, you know, this there's CBD, and there's two heads to that. There's CBD retail promotion, because there's quite a few CBD retail stores popping up. In a, in a very high-end branded fashion at some very large major retailers. Yeah. And then there's some more just CBD, straight-up CBD store kind of places. Uh, and then there's CBD e-commerce. And we're seeing success across all of those. There are some times where the e-commerce stuff is a little more competitive. I think that will continue to be more competitive, especially as certain brands start taking over the marketplace as like the household name. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it will be a three to six month window. I think it'll be more of a twelve to twenty four month window as these brands kind of card out who is the winner and who is the loser. Okay. But we work with uh, quite a few brands that have never done any advertising or sold anything. So the big we not we're not doing a lot of web page management. Uh, we always assess web pages and what's the flow from the click on the ad to the conversion you know, what is the KPI that you're looking to generate and, you know, how are you supporting us and how are we supporting you to get there? That's the the conversation I'd have with that CBD advertiser. So when we've seen some awesome products with great creative and really slick websites Mm -hmm. and the results are dramatically different than when you're working with these pages that are, you know, inundated with, crappy links or lackluster content. So I would say those are the things we deal with on the CBD side. Within the cannabis space particularly, I would say there's retail promotion, there's e-commerce promotion, and then there is product promotion. Retail is really driving hyper-local traffic, letting people know about dispensaries, I would say the big barometer for those is really branding and awareness and then also some email capture like, hey, get people to join your list. Then, so you, then you could do an e-blast with your daily deals or yeah. your event promotion you have coming up. E-commerce is a little bit of a lot of delivery platforms or pre-buys in some dispensary capacities. Those are typically regionally based due to the nature of the industry. Depending on the brand, we see a pretty good level of success there because you're not asking people for an $100 CBD order from a brand you've never met before. No. It's more of like, hey, buy from all of these brands from your delivery service that's that will come to your house. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is the product side on the on the cannabis side, we see a lot of vape manufacturers, some large, very big commonly known names, some smaller ones, a few product rollouts to help support the retail initiative so that, you know, hey, who's influencing the decision before that user gets to the store. Yeah. Why are they going to pick your brand? Like what's going to drive that familiarity? And the other one is educational. I use this example quite a bit in pretty much every sales conversation or every business conversation. There's the Adam and Doreen conundrum. Adam is a 31-year-old regular consumer who buys mm-hmm. every week, who yep. knows quite a bit about cannabis and knows what he likes and doesn't like. Doreen is 62-year-old, tired, affluent. And very interested in cannabis, but doesn't know the difference between an indica and sativa, doesn't know why she buy flour or oil or mm-hmm. a baked pan, and doesn't know if she needs a five milligram dose or two and a half milligram dose or a twenty milligram dose. So how are you educating her? as to what to buy and, and how to come in and either order from you online and what to order or when to come into a store and create an environment there she feels comfortable to come in and purchase. And I don't need to make my, my mom sound like a timid old woman <laughs> who, who's like a scared Because scared we know she's not.
2: <laughs> yeah, she's, she's the bomb. I love the mom
3: But, you know, just I think that's the way that yeah. a lot of brands need to think about it. Yeah. And uh, a few of our partners that we work with that kind of field on the other side of the digital space are uh, big proponents of the same thing: education, 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 mm-hmm. and away from the the, the legalities of this or, or the the future legalization around moving away from stigma and getting real mm-hmm. scientific evidence in the market from just a transactional basis. Like, who's going to make your customer feel the most comfortable in what they're buying, so they can go home and try it and be like, "I really enjoyed that experience. I liked this product because it was." delivered to me the right way and the right information. And then, and as much as everyone wants to get to the sale, everyone wants to sell more widgets. Yeah. The reality is you're gonna there's a process to that and how are you doing it?
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean that's the other fascinating thing about the space is as we go from this you know kind of market of you know traditional you know marijuana users you know cannabis users and kind of ma- kind of cannabis culture pop culture kind of uh, folks to more mainstream you know even all all the different kind of subsegments in here you know everything from the soccer mom to the you know professional you know corporate executive who's you know look use their their uses for very different reasons and very different profiles and, you know the older generations looking for, you know, various health benefits. I mean, it's so multifaceted and, you know, seeing how this plays, plays out from a brand point of view is fascinating because it is, it is this kind of blossoming of the industry in terms of brands and segments and various use cases. And, and obviously it's going to affect things like advertising and those models too. Yeah.
3: It's I do not I don't, I don't want to be crude or presumptuous on the, the aggregate industry, but somebody I respect very dearly in this space who is a very smart technologist and has a very successful business in this space said Adam Half the industry are real CPG folks who are looking to grow into this space. Half of them are cannabis growers and bud sellers who are now in a legal industry, which it creates a very interesting dynamic. And uh, uh, that's the landscape right now is being able to navigate around all those things and, you know, speak to all these audiences and help those audiences speak to their desired audience.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And what I mean, just looking out the next, you know, 12, 24, 36 months, I mean, what, what do you see? I guess what's on your kind of strategic roadmap or strategic plan, you know, in terms of what, what you see happening in the industry, how you're kind of shifting or adapting or pivoting around some of these things? What what do you see coming at you from, a, from an industry and business point of view?
3: From the advertising industry, I think more and more folks are going to try to get involved. Yeah. I don't foresee a day in the next 12 months. Twenty-four months, where any of the companies that could probably come in today and you know clearly use their scale to outcompete us, mm-hmm. uh, at least in the six-month timeline, mm-hmm. uh, entering this space, CBD is going to get huge. Yeah. I think there's going to be. I was a little suspect. I thought it was going to be the nutraceutical of like 2019, <laughs> yeah. uh, where it's like the diet pill that everybody wants, or like uh-huh. tybo tapes in the affiliate space back in like the the early 2000s. It's not going anywhere. I think the market's going to consolidate in the sense of consumers – started to get more comfortable with brands i went to go buy a pack of rolling papers the other day and mm-hmm. it was 11 at night and i was at a sunoco station in, in fort lee the one that uh right nope. by uh, <laughs> yeah you know the one i know about. it yeah there was uh four C- different cbd brand gummies for wow. sale i wouldn't have purchased any of those brands they didn't look they looked yeah. like they were being sold at a gas station counter yeah yeah but you know at what point are those guys going to be Not as competitive. I I don't know. Like CBD is going to be huge. I think cannabis is continuing to grow. I think medical access will continue to become easier to come by and thereby I know there's more money from the distributor perspective in the medical space. So I think that will get very, very hot and very competitive. I'm not going to pretend to know the entire landscape on how licenses are being doled out and who's going to participate. Uh, We've been seeing a huge buzz in Florida. Well, advertising is a little more difficult there. Like markets like that are going to be very, very hot.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I agree.
2: Interesting. Uh, Adam, this has been a pleasure. Learned a lot. A fun conversation. If people want to find out more about you, about the work that you do, about the company, what's the best way to get that information?
3: On our website is probably the best way to just see what it is we're doing. I, I tried to, to word it a little bit ad techy and a little bit consumer facing. So if you go to safe Hyphenreach.com, So it's safe dash reach.com or safe hyphenreachcom All of our information is there. If you want to just shoot me an email after this, Adam, Adam at safe hyphenreachcom We couldn't afford safe reach.com. The guy who <laughs> owned it, wanted $13,000 for it. So it's like, <laughs> I'll go with the hyphen for now. Um, LinkedIn it. always works. We have an Instagram as well at safe reach. One word. We're going to be at quite a few trade show events. Uh, we'll be at the CWBE event in New York. We're not exhibiting, but we will be there. Just really appreciate you. Let me uh, chew your ear off here about advertising and cannabis. It's exciting times ahead for the people who are really in this space trying to uh, really do the right things.
2: Yeah. No, I agree. I'll make sure all those links and uh, URLs and, and stuff are in the um, show notes so people can click through and get those. Adam, this has been a pleasure. Um, I'm, this is a fascinating part of the cannabis industry. I appreciate the time. I appreciate you explaining what's going on and what you guys are doing. It's exciting stuff.
3: I just appreciate the chance to chat about it and yeah. Uh, you know- Definitely uh, excited to maybe sync up in the next year or two to see how things have
2: changed. Oh, I'm sure we will. I'm sure we will. We'll do a follow-up episode at some point here and see what's going on. Great. Awesome, man. Thank you so much.
1: You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter.
2: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.